0: Welcome to 100 PM, the show where we interview 100 active product managers from startups to enterprise, everything in between, all from one great city every season. If you're joining us for the first time, be sure to visit our website, 100productmanagers.com. That's the number 100, Productmanagers.com. It's the web's largest single free resource for product management topics. We've got tons of great articles about business, technology, and design, fabulous contributors, and the official must read, listen to, follow list as recommended by our incredible guests week over week. It's season one. We're here in sunny Los Angeles. I'm your host, Susanna Bate, resident instructor at General Assembly and founder of The Development Factory. Welcome and thanks for listening. Hello, listeners. Welcome to episode 12. Today we're talking to Tom Coor, a seasoned product strategist who's been in LA's tech scene long enough to see it rise and crash like the tide more than once. Job seekers and junior product managers, this is going to be a great conversation about what it takes to succeed on your product management journey. Let's tune in. Uh, How are you? I'm great. You're great. Excellent. I guess it's easy to be great when you're on the west side, sun, Life is not too bad in the Silicon Beach area. (laughs) You've been out this way a long time? I've been here
1: for 20 years. Okay. I think that would constitute... That's a long time, exactly.
0: It doesn't probably feel like a long time. It's only in those moments where you say 20 years. How has it been that That long? That makes me feel really old. (laughs) I don't mean to make you feel old, but I, I think it's fascinating because you've probably watched the L.A. tech scene kind of really germinate and blossom and grow and you've been an active part of it. I mean, what was it like 15 years ago here in technology?
1: 15 years ago would be the uh, dot-com crash, I think, which was not a great era in, <laughs> in technology in general. Um, it was interesting. I was with uh, stamps.com at the time and it was great to see a company grow from you know five employees to 600 employees in about a year and a half and then back down to 80 so um, a rocket and then a a steep ejection Um, so the dot coms that were invented or created back then were of various levels of substance and just because you had a dot com meant that you could get funding for it no matter what it was Uh, but we saw a a, a sort of back to basics then which I think is still pervasive up till the last couple years when I've seen a lot of uh, mobile apps get funded that had no right getting funded. So I think we may be back in a, a, not not the same level of bubble, but a similar bubble where everyone wants to be part of something bigger.
0: Yeah, I mean, it it definitely did seem in the last few years that every time you turn around, you hear people say this all the time, I'm starting a startup. (laughs) That's the, the favorite new expression. Do you think that the LA tech scene has kind of found its its maturity now, and that there is this natural weeding out of companies that might be funded but have, as you say, have no business being funded, and you know they turn up an office and then that office disappears.
1: I think we've seen a change in um,
0: investment strategy, so it's
1: easier to get funded for an idea uh, from non institutional. Uh, investors friends people real estate you know real estate people I hear that a lot yeah my friend's in real estate and he's going to give us $50,000 to start this company Uh, or crowdfunding crowdsourcing Um, so there are all alternatives there if you want to find money you can find money to start a company but that doesn't make it a good company or a good idea and it doesn't mean that you're going to be able to execute against the idea even if it is a good idea so i think there are still a lot of companies around, I think venture capital has gotten a lot more conservative with what they'll invest in, which is fantastic overall, Um, but you'll still hear of ideas that shouldn't be companies.
0: Well, and this is an interesting topic about investment because, especially a lot of first time founders, sometimes mistake that somebody can and will give them money with that they should accept that money. You know, part of it is, am I accepting money too early? And then the other part is, is this the right kind of money? What have you seen happens when people take money from their friend in real estate to fund a product idea that has nothing to do with real estate and maybe not even anything to do with the expertise of the founders, frankly? I've seen people want to get involved
1: in technology just because it seems like it's something they should do rather than something that they're good at. They want to be involved in being part of high tech and by investing in high tech, they feel like they can be involved in it in some way and some of them try and be operational after they invest and that's always a disaster. I've never seen that actually work out well. Um, If someone's investing to trust someone with their money and not need a status report every day about it or where it's going or what's happening, Um, then it becomes an okay investment. But um, that is, you know, it's unknowable until you actually start talking about the terms of the deal and the expectations of of the investor. Um, So sometimes it's fine and you've got an investor who knows that they don't know anything and knows that they should stay out of the way. Uh, But when you have an investor who's investing in someone who also doesn't really know what they're doing, that's when things go really bad.
0: I've often wondered, I've I've had many deals in my lifetime where we've gone out to raise money, you know, in hindsight at the wrong time, but at the time you think this is the right step that we need to do. And I'm always grateful. Thank goodness nobody gave me the money that I was looking for because we would have misspent it because we didn't know... What we didn't know. Right. Do you think? What do you think is the right time to raise money if you're building a company from ground up? How would you advise somebody to take that approach?
1: What most companies that I've seen, and this goes for companies that get funded as well as companies that don't get funded from good and bad investors, both they don't do enough market research, they don't do enough consumer research, they don't do enough research into who their client is and whether the client really wants that product right? usually it's in a, a founder who came up with a good idea they ran it by their friends, their friends all thought it was really great but they didn't do any research into the industry or the consumer or how it fits into someone's daily life um, and without doing that you have very little confidence at the end of the day as to whether or not you've achieved product market fit with your idea and that's the you know, Without building anything, you should be able to test a concept and someone's propensity to buy it or adopt it very early on in the process. Um, and that market research phase is, if it was done more often, people would save a lot of time and money. But it's also very difficult for people to understand that running an idea by their friends doesn't mean anything at the end of the day.
0: Right. I always say... Um, when we talk about validation in in the concept of problem-solution fit or product-market fit, we're talking about real representatives of your customer segment giving you real insight, not uh, your parents telling you, you're the most beautiful girl in the world, you can do anything you want. If that's the kind of validation that you're seeking, you should just sort of stick with that plan, not try to launch a business Probably feel a whole lot better. And people like to point to entrepreneurs that did have an idea and didn't do a lot
1: of market validation. And that idea was magically, you know, momentous and they created a whole company out of it. But that happens so rarely. And if you ask that entrepreneur to do the same thing, come up with another idea for another company, 99% of the time they would fail. Right? Repeating that process is almost impossible. Uh, One of the quotes that I really like to use is your... Your opinion, while interesting, is irrelevant. And if you said that to most founders, they would be very offended. But really, it's irrelevant. It's what the market really wants that you're trying to find. And that's the magic of product management, is trying to find that product market fit and keep a company aligned with its clients or customers.
0: What is product management anyway? You know, We spoke a little bit about this. You talked about there's no formal education for product management. How did you get here? What is it in your mind when you talk about it? So I, I mentioned the fact that there is no formal
1: curriculum or training for a product manager. And every product manager description that I've seen varies depending on the company varies depending on the company's outlook whether they're tech focused or client focused or services focused. It depends on the CEO of the company and how much he understands product development or not uh, or values the, the role of a product manager. Um, if you take a look at uh, consumer packaged goods companies they have a very well defined concept of a brand manager. Someone who's in charge of the p of a brand. It's a mini-CEO. And some companies have adapted that same sort of thing for a product manager, where they're the product manager is the captain of their product. They're the captain of the ship. They're doing market forecasting all the way down to um, you know feature triage, specification, things like that, or at least being part of that process. And then some companies, it's an engineer who's taken a who's taken a, the role of being more of the business liaison and telling sales what they just built. Um, so it's totally across the the gamut of, of all of that the, the path that I took was um, after graduating college with a marine biology degree uh, I got a job in sales
0: makes sense, so natural, natural next step for and, a marine
1: biology degree and the company I got a job in sales with was a software company and I just fell in love with software and this is before the internet was the internet um, and really saw a future when Windows 3 dot whatever came out where it was graphical. All of a sudden, we went from terminals to graphical interface. And all of a sudden, networked computers were small, right? We went from mini computers to, I've got a personal computer with a graphical interface. This is three eighty six. people are going to actually start using this (laughs) stuff. And uh, just fell in love with it. And I actually took a step back out of technology and found that it wasn't, while I was decent at sales, I wasn't in love with it. And during my years with the software company, found marketing to be really exciting. I liked the strategic part of marketing. I liked being able to affect all of the sales of the company, not just one at a time. And um, I actually started working with a consumer packaged goods uh, agency and worked on uh, packaged coffee and iced tea in supermarkets, uh, travel services, fun things like that so got a pretty well rounded background in marketing to consumers uh, through more traditional channels not online channels and from there went to um, become a a product brand manager for a a software company that was my next job progression I wanted to get back into software seemed like a logical way for me to use my skills and that software company turned into an internet company we transformed it from a installed, we had actually consumer products and business-to-business solutions uh, and almost threw all of that away to create consumer-focused websites. Um, So that transition was amazing and that was the start of of the internet Internet era. Um, But each step along the way I learned something that was a little bit different about what consumers, how consumers buy how businesses buy and what it takes to meet their expectations and i feel like product management is all about that translation of what is it con- what's going to make a consumer or you know the, the end clients life easier better faster stronger whatever it is and how does our product match that what's the advantage to them using this over other things um, and it's that product market fit which is the simplest way to describe that that's um, it's an ongoing job. It never ends, right? There's always advances. There's always competition. There's always trend. There's always new technologies to take advantage of. So it's a it's an ongoing process.
0: Would you? That's s- a very long answer. To you. I know it's a beautiful answer. It's it's so interesting about the journey, right? That you say. I, I don't think anybody who works in product management or or who has been working in product management for a number of years has had a straight path in. I think that's the crux of what you're talking about. It's I think that's absolutely true. Maybe later, maybe as these conversations unfold, maybe as you know more programs, like the one I teach at General Assembly and there are other great programs, as there is more attempt to not formalize the education, but at least color in, hey, if you're going to want to be in product it looks a little bit like this, and a little bit like this, and a little bit like this, so there may be a future day where there is a clearer path. But most of us, it's accidental tourism, and we found tech, and we fell in love with it, and then we couldn't get out of it, and you just sort of take up a role. Mm -hmm. Which which sort of leads me to the question, do you think that most companies know that they need a product manager or they don't know that they need a product manager? I think it really depends on the size of the company.
1: And in some companies at an early stage, you don't need a formal product manager, but someone's taking on the product management responsibility, whether it's the CEO or the CTO or uh, someone in marketing. Someone is saying, our customers need this. Um, So whether it's translated to a job position or not, is dependent on company size, budget, funding, etc. But there's the responsibility is, is being handled. Um, as far as creating the you know definition of a product manager, um, I think the organization Pragmatic Marketing yeah. did a very has done a very good job over the years of talking about product management and its importance. But it seems that the product management profession if it's a profession, has two major flaws. And the first flaw is, if you're good at product management, your company is going to do well, and you're going to make a lot of money. And therein lies the the decision of whether you stay in product management or move to another department to run another department, or you um, just move farther up the chain so you're not actually doing
0: the product management part of your job anymore. Interesting. So it sounds like you're suggesting that a product manager who succeeds, which we define as being good at the job, faces an inevitable crossroads of do I keep on being a great product manager and therefore have to jump around to different places to try different things? Or do I outgrow my own role because now I have an opportunity to be part of the C-suite or it's mostly the outgrowing your own role Like, for
1: to find good product managers is almost impossible because the time frame in which you are a good product manager is very short. If you're a good product manager, you get promoted really quickly to more and more responsibility because it's clear that you can handle the the most important role, part of the role, which is interdepartmental communications. If you can do that really well, you're going to be viewed as an asset by that company and be put in a more prominent place running a department where you're managing people. And it could be a higher level product management role, director, VP, but your responsibility is very quickly not product manager anymore. It's managing product managers. So um, it's always hard to find a someone who's got... You know, three to four years of product management experience who doesn't want to be or isn't capable of being a director or they're going to be a product manager for a long time because they're not quite getting what product management means.
0: What makes a good product manager in your opinion?
1: So the first thing is great communication skills. Uh, being able to talk to people in the way that they like to be spoken to. Um, it's, it's that empathy of I understand what your problem is. I'm going to speak to your problem and be able to persuade you to do what I need you to do because I really understand what your problem is. Um, doing that with clients, doing that with teams internally, um, working back and forth between the two, you are the translator. You're saying, the client wants this, Mr. Development, I'm going to outline it like this so you understand it because clearly if you talk to the client directly, you wouldn't get it uh, because you've tried that before. That's the, the intermediary job and similarly, Oh, we have this problem. We can't build it like this. How do we represent that to the client? What what kind of workarounds can we achieve here to do something more quickly or um, more cost effectively? That, that you know, the client's asking. We're hearing what the client wants is something much bigger than what we're geared to um, geared to build. So that I guess it's communication and translation at the same time. And yeah. And communicating upward and downward in the organization is equally challenging.
0: Yeah, I mean, you, you brought up the term mini-CEO. I've heard other people talk about it as you're the CEO without any of the power. And so the challenge in that particular instance, is, as you know, can be I've got to defend the customer. I've got to defend what I believe is right. And I have to do it to the person who started the company who might really not want to hear what they don't want to hear, because, Mm -hmm. you know, people tend to shut that out. Absolutely a challenge. Yes, very much so. Um,
1: So if you're a CEO and able to get things done without any power, the inclination is to put you in place with power so you can actually get more done. Um, You become a very good CEO in that aspect because no one likes to be told what to do. They like to understand what they should do on their own. Um, generally. So, if you're good at persuading someone to do something that they didn't necessarily know that they wanted to do, you become a good leader. Yeah. That's a general leadership skill. Motivate people to do things internally rather than tell them what to do. So, that, that persuasion, that convincing someone of the right thing is uh, super critical.
0: So, how do we fill this now? Now you've got my mind all alight of this product manager void that's always being sort of created and recreated because great people come in, excel. And disappear? What's the solution for creating a healthy stream of product managers in this LA market that desperately needs product managers? I mean the tech community is uh, bustling here.
1: For as long as I've been here that's been one of my challenges is trying to find product managers. It's really a problem. Um, Just going out and you know recruiting from other companies Oh, is always a, a solution, but you never really know whether that person's been effective or not at the company that they were just working at. Um, the One of the real challenges with product management is it's not just hard skills, it's soft skills. So just like you couldn't hire a salesperson who didn't want to be on the phone, you can't hire a product manager who's not a good communicator. You can't really tell until you actually start working with that person how good or not they are. Um, so there's a lot of... Uh, difficulty but it's also almost untrainable like if you're not naturally a outgoing person you're probably not going to be a good salesperson and similarly if you're not naturally a good communicator you're probably not going to be a good product manager now that's not true all of the time because again some companies consider their product managers to be the best communicating developer for instance it's all all relative (laughs) But in a a company where product management is uh, an important role, where it is really a representation of the mini-CEO of a product, that communication skill is critical. You, You just can't function in a company like that without good communication skills.
0: You mentioned a little earlier, you know, product manager, three, four years experience. Would you ever hire somebody with no experience? I have hired people with no product management experience um,
1: because they have shown me that they're good communicators. They've shown me that they have good vision as well as they are detail-oriented. And generally, they have some sort of industry or vertical or uh, departmental specialization that they have some background that makes them good to train into a product management position but it's going to take them a while to become a product manager. It takes a while to learn how to write a good specification. It takes a while to learn how to wireframe a process out. Um, So it's possible but you have to have enough product management staff to be able to bring in a junior product manager or product specialist to get them up to speed and give them not product ownership but specific projects within that product ownership.
0: And I think that that challenge that you flag about, you know, starting from the beginning and then having to learn to me seems like it's amplified by the fact that everybody does things a little bit differently. There's no there's no USB cable of product management. You you could be being nurtured along very well as a as a brand new product manager in a certain environment and this is how we do PRD and this is how we do wireframes and this is our scrum process if we're running an agile software delivery method and then you could move over to another organization and then everything is different. Correct. How do you deal with that? I mean, how have you dealt with that? You're somebody who has worked with a lot of different companies in your career. How have you dealt with having to acclimate and reacclimate to be successful in your role and at the same time navigate decisions that other people have made that maybe you wouldn't have made?
1: It's easier when you have an overview of multiple companies to understand that they actually behave differently. Um, you can take a you know, list of potential functions and go, all right, this company, the product management team doesn't do this, doesn't do this, but they do do this. Uh, and do a, a checklist format kind of thing I have found in a lot of companies product management is defined as everything that our CTO or development team isn't actually good at so it takes up the slack of project management sometimes scrum management sometimes um, you know technical product definition sometimes or product architecture even you know. Um, and then sometimes it's very much a business function where it's not actually specifying the product there's a product UX design team that does all product specifications so it's really really quite hard the only way is to ask a lot of questions Uh, during the interview process uh, during the first few weeks on the job who handles these following things and again you could find a standard product marketing framework from uh, there are plenty of publications out there that outline all the possible things product management can do and figure out where you're gonna make the biggest impact and that's generally where it starts if you're gonna there's you know 20 things you could do where are the top three most important for that particular job that particular company right then it's uh, you know when you're a product manager you're a you're a jack-of all trades in a lot of ways you have to be flexible you have to be able to fill in the gaps because that's what the company needs at that point especially with the younger with a younger company I,
0: I see a lot of students in particular who, come into product management because their current role or background is in specifically in UX or specifically in development and they're they want more as a product manager do you have to be okay not touching a lot of the work because I wonder a lot of the time will you miss UX you think you want more but coming into more as you've kind of described it means it might be more financial spreadsheet reviews it might be more marketing work it'll definitely be more than the specificity of any one domain and equally it will most likely mean less of the thing that you used to do do you think people miss it when they get into it because it is so diverse the things you touch
1: i think if you're staying within the same company you have a pretty good idea of what that position is going to be before you aspire to be in it so um, if you're not moving companies it becomes a lot easier to say yes I do want that because it's in a box you know what that box looks like Um, whether or not you miss UX design you will have an influence on it and you probably see that you have an influence on it maybe you want that job because they get to make the final decision instead of you Um, so it could be a, a good thing but switching companies and and say, I'm going to move from UX to product management at a different company is really hard to, to predict. You, know, you don't know how much influence you have over UX, for example.
0: Do you see people but I, but who make that move clinging to where, where you see this kind of regression of they stepped into the bigger capacity of product management, but then they tend to stay where they work most comfortable, whether that's in development or in design?
1: If they do that, they fail very quickly. If they don't actually, if they, if they say they're hungry to bring on more responsibility and then don't take on that responsibility, they don't last long at all because they revert back to their only you know, specialized behavior. Um, but the people generally who say that they're hungry generally are hungry, they really want to do more and even if it's scary, they'll do more. And that's something product managers need to do, is things that are un- unknown and unproven, right? Product managers are willing to step in and take responsibility for things that they don't know about, right? It's, uh, uh, takes a, it takes a different personality than someone who wants a consistent, predictable job outcome because it's not consistent or predictable. It's your job is based on the market. And the market itself is undefinable because it's it's a you know it's a moving target. So if you don't love unpredictability, product management is not the job for you most of the time. In a big company it can become very um, I guess, predictable in a way, where you have your certain pattern of behavior over time. But for a young company that's absolutely not the case. You're a, you're an adventurer, you're an explorer, you're trying to You're dissatisfied with the status quo and you want to make things better. Whether that's making the product better, making the organization communicate better, or making customers happier, there's always a drive to succeed in one of those aspects, or drive to make it better at least. Success is is fleeting as well, but uh, improving something is what product managers do.
0: Have you ever messed up real bad whether earlier in your career, whether last week, something where you thought, man, I've been doing this a long time and I didn't see that coming or I forgot to follow the process that I always follow because I got caught up, you know, just... Um, I've definitely made mistakes. Because product development
1: cycles are relatively long and they touch so many people, it's hard to have a mistake that lingers for any particular length of time. Um, without without someone finding it or getting it corrected so it's um, the mistakes that you can make are pretty small in the overall scheme of things so missing deadlines where you have set back uh, departments timeline a week or two or something like that or you know missing a launch date would be bad because of something that you didn't communicate well Um, I've also you know sent Emails to the wrong people because I wasn't paying attention to the two line, and people got information who were off site who shouldn't have got that information. So, yes, there's definitely office mistakes that can happen, but I haven't seen uh, it's generally because software companies, the, the company is the product, especially at the early stages, everyone's paying attention. So, you're not gonna, anything you did intentionally or unintentionally will be found very quickly. Uh, generally with very little overall impact. You might annoy your, your boss, you might annoy your coworkers, but the company itself or the, the trend is going to not suffer because of it.
0: So let that be a lesson to everybody who's worried. You can't mess up that bad, so give it a try. Be brave. Be brave, yeah. Be brave.
1: Um, and companies now recognize that making mistakes is part of the process. It's You're going to make bad decisions on whether or not some clients like something or not or like it in the way that you think that they like it. And going into every feature um, knowing that, hey, we could have to revise this feature in two weeks, comes with pluses and minuses, but if you're willing to continue to adapt because you know that based on your research that you're doing the right thing, at some point you'll find that answer. It may take two or three revs longer than you wanted it to, but uh, if you're committed to it because you have the data to back it up, you'll make it happen. Um, so I don't see that as being risky. I just see seeing that as being unknown, right? So unless you're willing to take on the task of matching the unknown, it's, uh, it's again, not the right job.
0: Right, well, I mean, and it's a, it's a worthwhile sentiment to reflect on, which is there are people who are perfectionists. And I don't think product is a role that would fit you very well if you like everything to be perfect because it's so rarely perfect you would be
1: frustrated all the time <laughs> all the time so anyone who's good with the 80 20 rule or 90 10 rule is good right because there's only so much information you can get before you start something and there's only so much information you're going to get at the end of the cycle and there's only so much product perfection you're going to see if you're iterating rapidly um so you, you have to be comfortable with it's almost great and be, be happy with it's almost great.
0: One of the, the things that I've heard as we've been you know going through this adventure that is 100 p.m. is that... And I didn't expect this, right? I, I expected that there were a lot of people out there who wanted to learn more about the world of product that would be interested in hearing these kinds of conversations. I didn't expect that so many product people themselves felt isolated or kind of without community it's not maybe not without community but this sense of it would be nice to know what other people are doing because you can feel a little bit alone in your own world and there is I go back to what we've been talking about no universal definition it's just kind of the equivalent of always looking over and going I wonder how they're doing it am I doing it right are they doing it right you know Has it ever been your experience where you've just felt like you'd like to kind of see what other people are doing? I mean, you've done this a long time now, but...
1: Um, I think earlier in my career, for sure. Just to get a a sanity check and just to have peers that I could commiserate with about how crazy or chaotic or uh, wild things were going. Uh, That's always really good to have people you can bounce ideas off of or or just talk about certain certain problems you might be experiencing Um, it is hard because product managers just as uh, I want to say more than most other roles or departments feel overwhelmed all the time you don't have time to go socialize with people with your peers a lot right you're you're generally if you're socializing you're socializing with the people you're trying to convince to get stuff done because you don't actually have power over them so your time, is, your time out of work is invested in you know, smooth, greasing, the, greasing the wheels of the, the wheels you're trying to turn during the day. So it's hard to make that time to get out to meet other people. I think now the community actually has uh, you know, the, the west side here at least we have enough meetups and enough social events where you're going to run into other product managers. They're not product manager only events. But they're certainly populated by a whole group of different people from developers to QA to product to project Um, so that has really changed over the last 15 years for sure Um, I think the there because there are so many companies and so many startups and the funding you know institutional funding has really grown up around here we're starting to see a lot more um, behaviors that look like Silicon Valley Uh, which is still almost in a different league to us as far as product management goes. But uh, it's definitely much better than it used to be.
0: You know, voracious learning, I guess, is the word that kind of comes to my mind. I think that this is a role that is evolving all the time, and it's it's a, a role where its own understanding is evolving. Are there any books, thought leaders, blogs, places where you have turned you know, turn recently or turned in your career that you think, this is like essential. Essential reading, essential listening. Don't come into my office and ask for a job if you're not familiar with. Um, I think everyone,
1: even though it's old at this point, everyone should read Crossing the Chasm. That's, uh, it's like the Bible of startups for me. It tells you how to frame a new problem using a very good, easy structure. Uh, tells you why that's important using real examples of real companies which you may or may not be familiar with at this point because it, I think it's actually uh, recent editions been updated um, so that's a great book I think um, there are some books by Alan Cooper uh, about designing things for customers, for clients, are really good um, I can't remember the name of his best work I think of it Um, I like actually reading stuff by Daniel Pink, who is all about... He's a human to sell? He's uh, cognitive, really cognitive learning, um, and very insightful. He's a professor, but it's about how people think, how people take in information, how they react to information. It's uh, a little more theoretical than who's the guy I'm thinking of that did outliers.
0: Uh, Gladwell.
1: Right. So it's along the line, but a lot more educational about the mechanics that go along with why people do what they do. So just behavioral information is great. And that's something that, again, isn't technology. It's not uh, communication. It's understanding people at the end of the day and how you can present things to people that will, even if it's the same thing, if you present it in a different way, their reaction to it will be much different. So it's little subtle things like that that make a big difference. Um, As far as basic product management, I don't have any one book that summarizes that.
0: Right. Just like there's no one position
1: that summarizes that.
0: Yeah, it's it's learn everything you can about business design and technology. That's the the takeaway advice at the high level.
1: So if you're just trying to get into product management, pragmatic marketing is a good resource. Uh, They have lots of articles about product management in general.
0: Last question for you, Tom, and really appreciate your time here today. If you were to offer a, you know, a recent graduate of the GA product management course or somebody who was looking to make that step in, you know you've spoken about the importance of communication and confidence, but would there be one specific thing that you would say to somebody who wants to get a foot in the door of product management and doesn't know how? If they have the opportunity to move within their company,
1: the best thing to do is go talk to the person who would be hiring for those positions and understand from them what they're looking for. Right, You've got a direct contact, take them out to lunch, take them out for a cup of coffee, um, and do a job interview, like a reverse job interview. What What does a person need to succeed in this position? And then go find, figure out how to, how to get that experience or get that knowledge or insight. Um, one thing that I've seen that's been very effective is um, trying to understand a company before, you know, during an interview process or pre-interview and, and highlight some problems that they have. Why is their website not working? Why is their messaging not working? Why, why do their sales materials not work? What if you can get a hold of If it's a consumer product company, what's wrong with the product? What could they do differently? Come up with, don't poke holes. Come up with suggestions on how they personally could improve what that company is doing. It may or may not be that on the company's radar, but you're saying, hey, I paid attention. I'm really interested in this company because I spent a lot of time trying to figure this out. And three, that could be a, a major impact to whatever they're doing. Obviously, if you can tie any sort of user uh, engagement or monetization with that, like you generate more revenue if you do X, X, and X, that's huge, but uh, that all of a sudden, separate you from everyone who's just sending in a job application into i'm problem solving for you and that's what we're looking for in product management are problem solvers people who can identify something then go fix
0: it thank you so much you're listening to 100 p.m the official podcast for 100productmanagers.com. If you haven't been to our site, please check it out. We have so many great resources for anybody looking to learn more about product management or starting a technology business. I'm your host, Susanna Bate. Join me here. We've got a new conversation every Tuesday. We'll see you next time.